Hello everybody, you listen to J Movie Talk, episode 243, as I'll be talking the movie, I Got the Hookup. Who you looking for? Mr. Goldstein. That's me, baby, I'm Mr. Goldstein. When Black and Blue scammed a truckload of cell phones, Hello? they hooked up the entire neighborhood. Show this whole being a businessman. But now, the mob and the feds want to put them out of business permanently we got to disappear master p aj johnson ice cube snoop doggy dog i've got the hookup i'll be there with a black shirt no boxing drawers what's going on everybody i am back i'm closing out the month of february with another movie that features or stars a rapper and i'm talking about one 1998's i got the hookup um this was a interesting movie to that I decided to do. Um, if you listen to episode two forty two and everything, I talked about the fact that it was kind of a toss up between this and Foolish, which also starred Master P. Um, so either way, I was going to end the month with Master P. I just didn't know which one I wanted to do, and I decided to go with something a little bit more light hearted, a little bit more funny. Um, so I decided to end the month with I got the hookup. Uh, odd thing about it before I get into talking about the movie I actually saw this movie at the movie theater um, and what's funny about that I saw it at a I saw it with a church summer camp yes um, that was <laughs> that was uh, an interesting choice for um, the guy who was running our little class because there was different like little sections um of classes for a church summer camp and the guy that was over my class and everything yeah this was the movie he took a group of kids to go see i got the hookup so for anyone who's seen the movie um and know what this movie is all about and everything that's in it and before i get and talk about it you know all that just think about a 12 year old a bunch of 12 year olds i should say going to the movie theater to see this movie based off of a church summer camp yes so that's that's a little insight for y'all for that um before i get to talking about the movie of course have to talk about the cast and we have of course we have master p who <clears throat> who wrote and starred in this movie he plays black the character of black anthony aj johnson the late anthony aj johnson plays blue uh we have gretchen palmer as sweet lorraine um we got franz turner as dalton joe estevez the forgotten member of the estevez family well i don't know who's more forgotten is it joe or is it renee estevez um that's more forgotten i mean once you get past martin charlie and emilio and then you got joe and then you got renee um but i don't know which one of them is probably more forgotten as part of being a part of the estevez slash sheen family um but yeah he's here which is always funny because he looks exactly like he looks exactly like his brother martin so yeah that's kind of funny um anthony boswell as little brother uh tommy tiny lister aka debo uh is here as tele um who is virtually the big bad but he's not really the big bad you could almost say that 
he's Steppenwolf in this weird uh, movie you know, and everything. It's, it's funny that I made a connection to a damn DC uh, cinematic universe movie to uh, some hood movie, but hey, it, when it when it when it applies, it applies, right? Um, we also have uh, Tangi Ambrose as Nasty Mouth Carla, Cheryl Underwood as Bessie, um, got Laura Hayes as mrs tucker she plays uh who i will refer to and this is his character's name even though his his real name is mentioned anthony but he's best known in the movie known simply as fat ass um john witherspoon as mr mim the late john witherspoon as mr mim um i mean and then you have helen martin as as blue's grandmother um and the scenes that she show up in is just priceless. But this movie is riddled with a bunch of people who are, well, at the time they were like known black comedians or, you know, they were just showing up in like hood movies and stuff like that. Um, quite a few people from Friday, which came out three years before this um, show up in here. Uh, Ice Cube makes a cameo appearance as a gun runner um, <laughs> and everything, which is funny. And then, of, of course, the movie is riddled with anybody that was associated directly or indirectly with No Limit Records. I mean, that's Masterpiece, you know, record company with No Limit. They show up. I mean, hell, Snoop even has a small camera because this was around the time when he was a part of no limit so yeah he he shows up here and kind of speaking on like master p in his career i know now a lot of people they when you say master p they look at him like oh he, you know he's just a has been this that and the third but back in 1998 master p was like he was i would say he was the more hood version of puffy um people can take that however they want but Master P really did have hip hop, the rap game, everything in a stranglehold for a while. No Limit had rap game in a stranglehold for a minute. And if you really look back at his career and see, like, if you see, like, where he started, how he got started, and the fact that, you know, he really applied pressure and made his own way and became one of the biggest names in 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 hip hop, in rap. And like I say, I don't, I don't know how a lot of people might feel about him, you know, and everything like that. But I do know seeing that it's, it's a great success story um, and everything. He had a run. He, he was a, a businessman and he ran things like a business. And like I say, he made a name for himself. I mean, most people had to generally have somebody else to kind of co-sign them. He didn't really have to have that per se like i say he made his name on his own and he had his toe in a lot of different things and yeah he ventured into movies um and everything and i would say this is probably his biggest movie that he's the star in but after this he like made small appearances in other movies i mean probably two of the biggest movies i can think of that i remember seeing him show up in is like huh he's here is 
going to 60 seconds with Nicolas Cage, which they actually, there's a section of the movie that's dedicated like to him chasing freaking Nicolas Cage and Giovanni Ribisi around trying to catch him. There's, there's, there's like a side little story within the movie of, yeah, we're going to feature Master P, you know, and everything because he was big. This is 2000. He's still a big name. And then he shows up in Hollywood Homicide with Harrison Ford and Josh Hartnett. I mean, granted, that movie is riddled with a bunch of like musical cameos, but he's in it. And he's like he's considered like one of the bigger names as far as cameos that show up in that movie and it has scenes with Harrison Ford. So, yeah, Master P had a had a run. He, he really did. He had a very interesting run. Very good run. Um and everything and shoot every so often i still bump old master p uh song from here you know and everything or oh, somebody from no limit i mean and everything but i'll probably go into that on a different episode just talking about you know music probably have to listen to Keita and jay show um for that and everything to hear more of me talk about probably master p music and stuff like that so that's a cheap plug for Keita and Jay show, which I'll be making my return to because I, I took the month of February off from Keita and Jay show um, and everything. Just kind of been more focused on movie talk and some other things like that. So since this is the end of February, March, I'm going back to Keita and Jay show as well as of continuing movie talk. I mean, I don't think you really ever hear me take a break from here unless, you know, until it gets around October and I take the month off and I have guests on and stuff like that. But um Getting talking about this movie. Um, so the movie kicks off with um Carla and Bessie with a buggy with a busted TV in it, and they're coming down the street, and they damn near get ran over because they're in the middle of the street dragging this thing, and they find their way to uh Black and Blues uh shop, which is basically them just selling a bunch of used stuff to the to the community and things like that and they come in and they're like they want their money back because the tv is busted and blue he's like uh-uh, y'all gotta get the hell out of here we don't do no refunds y'all got to you know just just take this ragged ass tv up out of here so they get into a whole thing especially between blue and and bessie and everything so blue so black comes over and he's like, hold on, hold on, what's, what's going on? And, you know, and everything like that. And he basically uses his charm to sweet talk um, Carla and and Bessie to take the TV to uh, Mr. Mims' uh, repair shop and everything. So one of the things, it's a running joke that we get throughout the movie is the fact that Blue don't get no don't don't get women he don't get he don't have no hoes basically that is it's a running joke this but mr mim is his uncle and he's like a, he's a known player and it's a, like i said it's a running joke through through the movie like well why is it that your uncle got so much game but you don't have no game so that's like a running joke through this um and everything all the while while this is going on you got mia x as loretta uh who is basically i, I don't know okay the fact that she works in this shop, basically getting people credit and, and everything, sitting in this old rusted car, and she sits on one side, they sit on the other, and she basically is giving them like credit loans and stuff like this, and it's like, 
how? Like, what are y'all doing? Y'all really scamming. That's that's what's really going on. It's almost like how these PPP loans or LLCs and everything, like of recent, what people was doing a lot of scamming with that. That's I feel like that's what she was kind of doing with this. But it's funny seeing Mia X, and people kind of forget about Mia X. Mia X, I mean, if you if you listen to like I say if you listen to No Limit and they stuff, you know who Mia X was and and everything. And I always felt like she she gets forgotten when it talks about women and, and rap and everything like that. But oh, uh, it's just funny. Like that's what they were doing here. It's like yeah, y'all just scamming. Like everybody just like scamming. That's basically what this movie is. Basically about scammers. That's what it is. Um, so after some time goes by a little bit and this delivery driver ends up making a wrong turn and ends up in front of the, uh, black and blue shop. And he's like, dude, he paranoid white dude. He paranoid. He looking around like, where the hell is the 9,000 block and this, that, and the other, like, you know, it's so black overhears him like fussing everything. He's like, oh, you looking for like, I'm looking for Mr. Goldstein. Like, I'm Mr. Goldstein. Yeah, it's 9000 right here. Like, you're Mr. Goldstein. So it's like this whole back and forth. Like, what? You ain't never heard of no black Mr. Goldstein. You think there was only what? Whoopi and Sammy Davis. You know, anything I missed. So like, oh, no, no. So black ends up, you know, signing these papers and getting these boxes. And we find out this is a bunch of cell phones flip phones and that so that i mean right there the movie is kind of dated when it comes to that but at the time flip phones was was the thing right so he get all these cell phones and blue trying to figure like what the hell are we gonna do with these cell phones and everything so blue black and blue they basically they go try to find little brother who is like a tech whiz and everything and they find out that he's at the funeral for i guess a local uh hood named uh barrelhead so they go to the funeral and this is probably like one of the funniest funeral scenes you'll see in the movie because the preacher he's up there talking about barrelhead and everything and they find little brother so they sitting there at the, at the whole service and everything and this old lady who barrelhead used to rob and just do all types of dirty she's the, the story goes that she basically said if he dies before she do she will come to his funeral and spit on him and everything so the lady she shows up she walks down the aisle everybody looking like what's she gonna do and so she walks up to the casket and she's like i spit on you barrelhead and she she literally do spit on so his family members they jump up and then get this whole damn brawl that basically damn royal rumble breaks out and everybody start fighting so black and blue they end up getting the hell out of there after they didn't you know hook everything up with little brother gonna be you know helping get the phones hooked up and then so they get the hell out of there um and everything so one thing about this movie and it kind of comes full circle similar to who's the man that black and blue pretty much are the driving force of this movie uh, everything pretty much revolves around them, just like everything revolved around Ed Lover and Dr. Dre in Who's the Man? And you just have all these different cameos. So, like I said, a lot of stuff does go on in this movie, but a lot of it doesn't necessarily pertain to the plot. There's a few instances in the movie where they, I feel like they just turn the camera on and say, you know what? Y'all just y'all just go. There are like literally at least five scenes like that in this movie so um 
so after the whole thing was like linking up with um little brother and everything, Black he calls L- Lorraine, who is like his main girl and everything like that, and she works for the company's called Cellular Two. I guess they couldn't get the rights to like a real cell phone company so they just call it cellular too and basically what they do they like monitor you know cell phone you know activity and make sure nobody's doing any type of scamming so when he calls her you find out okay she's in bed with some dude because the running thing about Lorraine is that Lorraine's a freak pretty much and so she called so like I said when she's on the phone with Black and everything you see the one dude come from underneath the covers with and then you realize it's two dudes it's not just any two dudes it's actually the duo of Cain and Abel who was with No Limit the two of them is in the bed with her so, so basically she was doing some some freaky shit with, with the two of them and everything and you know by hook and so basically the phone call was all about you know meeting up to discuss about how they can go about the whole cell phone thing so um So basically, after that, I mean, Black he goes and have you know lunch with um with Lorraine, and what's funny about it is that this movie pretty much proves like if if Master P really would have I want to say taken his acting a little bit more serious, he probably could have had a better run in movies than what he did, cause. It, there's a few scenes where he do have like I want to say a charisma, a charm about him in this movie and I know he wrote the movie so that probably played a factor into it especially when you see him like showing up in other movies um, and everything but I don't think in any of those other movies he was played up to what he's played up here and I, you could always say well, oh, because he wrote the movie he wanted to to make sure his character was the best character because he is Master P and then we talking about Master P in 1998 who's on the top of the hip hop world and everything so it could be a factor of that but like I say if you watch him in this movie and then you see him in those other bigger movies he, there he does have a presence about him I mean he's not a small man he is a, he is a large man so he has a presence about him but for whatever reason like I say, this is the best that you probably would ever see him overall in a movie. Um, and everything, and kind of stand on that. Just want to talk about Anthony AJ Johnson as a co lead here because this, I mean, of course, he's best known for playing Ezel, you know, in Friday, which I mean, he just was allowed to just do his thing in that movie because he's not the focus or not one of the main focuses of the movie. He just he just kind of floats in and out of that movie uh kind of the same thing with players club he just floats in and out of the movie so he's allowed to just do his thing but this movie is one of the rare times if i'm not mistaken the only time where he was one of the main focus of the movie i mean it's called i got the hookup it's all about black and blue he's one of the main two that this movie focuses on and it was interesting seeing him you know have this role granted he's allowed to just kind of riff certain times you can kind of tell it and then there's other times when 
they try to make him be a little bit more but at the same time it's like well yeah you're the you're no chris tucker basically because i always got the feeling like black and blue was supposed to be like a craig and smoky situation um it's just from a friendship dynamic but chris tucker had that little extra it fact and it's and it's nothing against ag johnson for anybody who's listening there's is nothing i'm not taking anything away from him it's just that there's a reason why chris tucker had the career that he had or i should say the run that he had and ag johnson had the run that he had that's all i say about that but it was interesting like really kind of paying attention to aj johnson as a co-lead of this movie so so after the whole thing of like meeting up with uh lorraine and she's like are you crazy you're like i'm not getting involved in in anything i mean i could lose my job for this and the feds would be all on your neck basically which in a way she foreshadows what comes later um with that whole conversation um so basically black and blue they you know they get in the business they got little brother putting putting old chips into these new phones and just hooking everybody up in the neighborhood and they start making money i mean everybody's coming to them for these cell phones and the fact that it's just the two of them pretty much that's running this you know there's there's a few scenes where it's talking about like man we tired man we man we need some help and everything so that's how um fat ass of blue's cousin he ends up helping he ends up out on the street hustling and selling phones and everything he all energetic and everything which the the guy that the, the young actor that they have play um fat ass he's actually pretty funny in this um it would have been like a little bit cool to kind of get more scenes of him and it's probably that he did nothing else after this um and everything but yeah he he's helping he starts helping out with because they're in such high demand and everything so um because of this that's where uh dalton who is uh lorraine's um boss he comes in and has a meeting with everybody like look i don't know what's going on because nothing is showing up on any reports because lorraine has been juking the stats basically of help you know kind of keeping it off the radar with black and blue but he was like look something's going on with with the cell phone activity in a certain section of this neighborhood, we need to find out exactly what is going on. So Lorraine starts getting nervous because it's like, oh shit, here we go. You know, type of thing. Which she knew what was gonna happen. So with all that going on, Dalton gets on the case. But this is where we're introduced also to uh T Lay, played by uh Tommy Lister, who works for uh roscoe the unseen roscoe he could roscoe based since okay since t lay is steppenwolf that would make roscoe dark side all right that's like i said that's that's for anyone who is into the whole comic book movie especially the dc movies and saw the snyder cut of justice league t lay is is steppenwolf and roscoe is dark side and T Lay basically owes him <laughs> and everything like that. So T Lay, he comes pulling up in his Rolls Royce uh, to in front of Fat Ass, and he's like, "Look, I want some. I want these cell phones. He's like, give me the top of the line. What you got? Don't give me the cheap shit you've been selling on the streets." So 
fat ass basically gets all nervous and without even really thinking, he was like, "Is your money good?" And T. Lay gives him the nastiest look, like you motherfucker. Like he say, "Man, man, hurt, man, give give me my phones, baby. Get, I want ten phones." So they come over. So the dude come pulling the damn cart with, with a bunch of phones over. He gave him the phones and everything, and that's how the whole thing with Roscoe comes into play even and i thought it was very interesting that we never see roscoe roscoe is actually voiced by uh the rapper fiend who was on no limit but for whatever reason he's you don't see him you never see him in the movie so um after they get the phones and everything and after they've like pretty much hooked everybody up in the neighborhood this is where the real issue begins to to come into play because it's too many people on this network because of the fact that little brother has used all these old behind chips in these new phones so it's like the technology starts getting screwed so there's a like a big party in the park with the local radio station and t lay and a bunch of his people they come rolling in and t lay gets a phone call from roscoe and it's already kind of screwed up because they get in because roscoe calls and t lay can't really understand what he's saying so he's like i'm only cool with roscoe anybody else is a bitch and everything to the the service kind of straight and that's right and then he realized that it's roscoe and his tune completely changed like oh i'm sorry roscoe so while they're talking and everything somehow the conversation ends up getting ends up going out on the radio and everybody hears the conversation that they're having and basically what it is about the fact that Roscoe has a package in a locker somewhere and it's basically $70,000. So everybody hears this and it becomes like a damn treasure hunt. Basically that happens with everybody start going all over, trying to find this locker with this money. So fat ass calls blue to let him know like, Hey, just want to let y'all know that, the whole thing, the whole conversation with, with T Lay and Roscoe went out over the over the radio and whatever happens is gonna come back on us because Roscoe is not gonna be happy. So T Lay, he ends up going to the actual right place of where this where this package is supposed to be. But by the time he get there, cause some dude, I guess he probably like a janitor or something, he actually finds the locker, breaks into it he gets the package and then he turns around so everybody can see it's like hey type of thing and then they end up jumping him money goes splashing all over the place and everybody pretty much getting the money so t lay gets a call from roscoe and t lay is like i will take care of black and blue personally myself i promise you so this is how everybody so black and blue is basically become wanted men you got t lay and his goons is coming after him. But then at the same time, the feds get called in by Dalton and they are on their backs too, trying to find out exactly who they are because of the whole, they scamming and everything, which it is illegal to do this, what they're doing. So now they, they're basically getting hunted all around. And so we get a bunch of stuff that happens here. Um, They end up going to, Lorraine's place and it's probably one of the funniest scenes where because the whole thing is that black in order for Lorraine to you know help him out she schedules him to meet with her on Tuesdays and Fridays 
for their own personal sessions and everything. So Black Hat come over to her place for one for one of those times. And right after he gets there, there's a knock at the door and it's blue. So it's like, let him in. It's like, uh-uh. Like, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't doing that with no blue. That's basically her thinking. It's like, blue comes and finds black to let him know what fat ass had told him. So while he's sitting there, she goes to open, because she got like a command center, basically. But she ends up hitting the wrong button. And the thing pulls up with a bunch of whipped cream, some whips and dildos. And it's like, what the fuck? Everybody like, what the fuck is that? She's like, oh, wrong one. <laughs> So she opened up, and yeah, she got a whole command center and everything, and that's when they realized, like, oh hell, like, like yeah, they really screwed. So they stay the night there. They leave, and the next morning, that's when they realize, like, everybody in the hood is basically looking for them. They get chased down by this gang of handicapped dudes, which is pricey because they got. 45s and gats and everything it's like what the hell like so they end up running all the way to mr mim's place and he lets them in but he he, he gets upset because like, like, like he says over and over like look there's some rules and regulations here like when y'all go back here don't don't get too excited it's like well get too excited about what because the first time we see mr mim's place we never go past the front we know he goes in the back with with Bessie and and some stuff go down with them, but you never go past we never go past that until Black and Blue get there and they go in the back and this man basically has he's basically like the hood Hugh Hefner he got all these women here he got this nice setup in the back and it's like how you got all this in the back of this old beat up looking uh repair shop like like what exactly are you doing like where your money come from that's that's the thing that people kind of when you watch that, it's like, how he got all this in the back of this shop? Like, what the hell is he doing? Was he selling drugs or something? But yeah, he got all these women. So black and blue, they all excited about being with these women. So we get, so we spend some time with them there, and they just pretty much, they just having fun. This is one of those scenes I'm talking about where it seemed like the camera was just rolling, and they were just letting them do whatever, and they were just wilding. Keep in mind now, you got titties all over the, all over the screen. So again seeing this as a 12 year old for the first time with a group of other 12 year olds at the movie theater it's like yeah one supposed to be seeing this movie like really and and everything so i always I always come back to that and I always laugh about the fact that i saw this movie at the movie theater but then again i mean the first big movie i saw at the movie theater was basic instinct um as a even younger child Oh, so yeah, they just tell you the type of movies I was seeing at the movie theater. Hey, but I turned out all right. It didn't affect me in any kind of way. You know, like they always say that, you know, children are very impressionable and this, that, and the third. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But I know the stuff I saw at the movie theater early age and it didn't mess me up. So I don't know. I guess, I guess every child is different. That's what I'll say. But, um, yeah, so while everything is going on with black and blue with mr mims and they just wilding out with these women uh loretta she ends up getting robbed by t lee and his goons at gunpoint and she gets pissed and after they end up taking all the money from her and leaving uh one of the one of the people that she was doing the credit uh thing with and also one of the guys that got the cell phone he shows up because the cell phone was all busted 
So he wants his money back. And because Loretta's already pissed at what happened with T. Lee, she pulls out the gun and starts like making him dance and shooting the gun at him. And she just going off. And it's funny, like seeing Mia X in this role where she just walks up out of there, like just really pissed and everything. So, um, after all that happens, um, Loretta, uh, Lorraine is at her job and because a lot of stuff has been going on is where Dalton, he's basically been 21 jump street in the hood. He's coming around cause he's trying to, you know, meet up with black and blue, but the way he's dressed is like, man, we know who you like. You not from around here. You coming here with this, with a, a basically you might as well have FBI written on the back of your, uh, well, cop written on the back of your jacket basically because the way he talking and got the backwards hat and everything like they're trying to be cool but clearly he's not from around the area and anybody who's lived in certain neighborhoods know like when somebody ain't from around there comes around like yeah you might be the cops basically um so he been he's been doing that and he ends up linking up with tootsie pop who is a transgender um and everything and it's played up for jokes regarding the tootsie pop character and because of the whole thing that happened with loretta getting uh jacked and everything and she started shooting off dalton who was about to get down with tootsie pop they both go take it off running his pants unzipped tootsie pop got her jacket off and is running down the street and it's like what the hell is going on right here but so dalton is pissed and everything and he goes back to his office and some way somehow well he finds out from tootsie pop that that lorraine has been helping black and blue so dalton ends up firing lorraine and so she loses her job like that so of course she gets pissed with black because like she said, I could get fired. I could lose my job, which she does. Like I say, Lorraine pretty much foreshadows like the last half of the movie, um, in, in, in a way. So she goes and she finds Black and Blue at Mister Mims, who basically having like an orgy at almost at this point, and she goes and finds them because, it, like I say, it's like three different things going on. Wow. Black and blue is at Mr. Mims. Lorraine gets fired. Loretta gets robbed. Fat ass gets arrested by the cops. And okay. So this scene with fat ass after he gets arrested. Now, okay. You could have just went from fat ass getting arrested. They took him to jail. Then his parents come show up to get. But after he gets arrested, they're on their way to the police station. When they get a call about a domestic uh, situation at a residence and the resident happened to be one of the cops on residence so they go basically make a stop at this house and they go inside and they find the cop's wife and this and this man that she cheating on him with and they trying to figure out what the hell is going on so the dude ends up running out the house keep in mind now he's dressed he got a damn cape on with a mask and they doing some old kinky shit so he runs out he and his drawers and everything. He runs out. The dude chases him out in the street. Fat ass is sitting in the backseat of the car just laughing. They run off screen and all you hear is gunshots. And it's like, 
So basically, he gunned this man down in the street while he in some damn kinky outfit. And it's like, shit. Like this man, it's like that's a that's a rough way to go out when you think about it. But it's like that's one of those scenes I'm talking about. Like it's just in the movie. It has no bearing on the whole plot of the movie at all. It just it veers off into some nonsense. And it's like, where the hell did that come from? But it's still played up for laughs. It's, it's still it's funny, but also at the same time, when you really think about it, it's like it's not really funny. It's like okay, so. Lorraine, she she finds um black and blue at Mr. Mill's place. She gets pissed with black twice because one, she got fired because of him. Two, realize that he in the back with these women. But it's like, wait a minute, Lorraine. It's like you you got dudes all over the place. You was having threesomes with Cain and Abel, but black being with these women, they ain't even had sex with none of these women, but you upset with him. So but you were just upset in general. So uh wow all this is going on little brother he ends up getting arrested uh by the feds uh joe estevez and uh the other dude they they find him because he's the one who's been putting the chips in the phone so he gets arrested they interrogating him why they interrogating him we find out that these white feds are not really white they basically black dudes who dress up as white dudes and it's like Okay, what exactly was trying to be said here? I mean, I know there's a message with that, but I still don't know exactly what the true message of that is supposed to be. So anybody who listens to the episode, who's seen I Got the Hook Up and know exactly what I'm talking about, if you know what exactly that is supposed to represent, what that's supposed to mean, feel free to let me know. Cause I like I said, I've seen this movie countless times, and I try to pay attention to that and everything. And I still don't fully understand. I I got an idea, but at the same time, I still don't fully understand like what was the real message, or you know that that they was trying to convey with that. So, um, so after that whole thing go down, T. Lay and a bunch of his goons they end up catching up with black and blue and they get into a whole street fight and we find out that blue actually has karate skills because he starts beating the hell out of the goons and t-lay can't fight we realize that t-lay can't fight because black actually like started whooping his ass and then as he getting whooped that's when he's like yo yo get him and it's like but you supposed to be this big, big muscle dude, but you can't fight. It's like, okay, see what that's about. So they end up getting like the better of them. But then uh, black and blue end up getting the best of them after a certain point. And then they take off and run and everything. So they basically been running for their lives the whole time. So it's, it, we never find out exactly like, okay, how black knows the the gun runner played by ice cube but we just get this scene where where he's hooking them up give black this this bag that has these guns in it and then get him this old beat up uh car and everything and, and blue gets pissed like no nah, man like what the fuck this ain't our raggedy piece of shit like why we can't get what you riding in so cube is like look on 30 minutes notice this is what you get you give me two hours you get what i'm riding in so of course it's that old joke of Let's make a joke about 
we know that's Ice Cube, but let have a character in, inside the movie make a joke saying you fake Ice Cube looking motherfucker, basically, is what Blue say and everything. So that's the extent of Cube's part in this movie. It just He just shows up to help them out and then he leaves. So Black has a plan of where, look, we go, I'm going to go inside Roscoe's place. I want to talk to the man, you know, and we can work something out. Cause that's blacksman you know his his mentality is like look we can we can take a negative and turn it into a positive some type of way you know just to kind of smooth everything over so he go inside and he talks to roscoe and it seems like roscoe is on the up and up with him and even when t come in he kind of chastises t like black did something that you couldn't even do which has brought me some business and everything so um t is already pissed he's still pissed about the fact that he got whooped when they fought earlier so he's like you might have things squared with roscoe he said but between he said with me it's personal so he pulls out a gun and one of my favorite lines is, in any movie really is one of my favorite lines when black pulls out two guns he's like what you think they stopped making guns when they made yours so he kind of has them at bay and everything and he you know he leaves out like that so when black leaves roscoe over the intercom he tells t lay he said look he said we gonna he said we gonna we gonna take the business and we gonna take it over for ourselves so basically roscoe just was selling black you know a dream in a way but basically what roscoe wanted to do was kill black and blue take over the cell phone business that he got and then he'll have all the money basically so black goes back to the car he gets in with with blue and that's when they realize that the uh the feds have been watching them the whole time because they sitting over in a van in, in a in a very in a spot where it clearly can be seen because that's what blue tells black it's like yeah they, they've been checking it out and everything so we get this whole car chase played to nwa's 100 miles and running where they in a damn chase while they driving this car is so raggedy why they driving the hood comes up so so black basically got to be driving like ace ventura after his windshield got smashed with it he was basically looking out the window to see so he tells blue to get out on the hood and let it down you know make you think that you flying like when you be on that angel dust so there's this whole thing that apparently blue snores angel dust <laughs> which is like where the hell did that come from but it gets brought up a few times like blue snorts angel dust so he gets out on the hood of the car he's trying to let down the hood but he can't so he's riding basically with his butt on the windshield holding on to the hood as they in this high speed chase which is hilarious so they riding around the hood finally comes down at the black hit the brakes and then hits the gas they take off so they end up down in the it's one of those places where like i forgot exactly what it's called but it matter of fact it's a scene that's from um going in 60 seconds that's filmed there. that's when you realize like oh some of this movie was filmed in la it wasn't i mean i, I feel like the whole movie is filmed in la but if you didn't know anybody you would swear that some of the movie was filmed in new orleans um and everything since that's where you know master p and everybody's from for the most part but then when you see certain landmarks it's like no they actually in la okay um so 
while they riding their thing and it's like blue tails black like this is a deuce and a quarter they in a ymca van man knock that shit over so basically <laughs> they end up knocking the van over because they crash they, they crash into it like three times they did the damn thing flips over so that's how they end up getting away so they get back on the street and because little brother after the whole thing that happened with the um the cops and everything because it freaked them out that they was wearing masks he knocked himself out but they end up letting him go so he been walking the streets because his head is hurt he like all out of it and everything he walking on the street fat ass who got got bailed out by his parents he comes along and sees little brother he's like hey man what's wrong with you so he's stumbling in the street and then the damn black and blue car come around the corner they end up hitting little brother he goes flying through the air lands on the hood of another car so the cops and everything is basically like on their back so they end up getting little brother they take him they go down in the damn sewers to get away from everybody so it's like because even black even say hey man they go to the spot that we used to hang out so basically they used to hang out in the sewers like do people really do that like they, they, like you go hang out in the sewers like what, are y'all, what the hell are y'all the ninja turtles or something but so they go down there to get away from the cops because i mean the block is hot basically so when they down in the sewers uh they run into the crackhead who who's kind of made appearances throughout the movie uh just talking a whole bunch of nonsense and he's one of the characters too that they just like basically turned on the camera and just said go i'm not sure if he was a comedian or something because i always got the sense like that's what he was supposed to be like like in real life he was a comedian um anything i I don't know too much about him uh the guy who played the crackhead but he i mean he wasn't he wasn't that funny to me um i always felt a certain type of way about that character even watching it as a kid i always felt a certain type of way about that character like and even even watching it as an adult it's like uh, this character was not necessary but i don't know maybe that was somebody that that uh master p knew and he just kind of worked that character into the into the movie but overall i really do not like that character um so they down in the sewers they run into the crackhead and the spanish dude that that uh that loretta had ran off um and everything and while they down there they get attacked by uh some dogs and the crackhead ends up getting basically mauled by the dogs and they censor it so you don't you don't see exactly what happened so you just see the aftermath he get up and his clothes is all messed up and everything he has a line and then uh they end up running to get out of there so after they leave from there that's when they get caught by um t lee and his goons so they take them to a, a spot and they basically about to kill him so while they about to kill him um t lee like man i gotta go to the bathroom so he go inside the porta potty uh one of the goons he go turns on the wood chipper because basically they gonna shoot and kill him and then feed him into the wood chipper so the goon that's watching him is is played by mystical um and he's standing there so while he's standing there and everything with a gun on him my, uh black tails blue he's like hey dog you know maybe maybe we need to you know about the angels 
you know, before you know, before he dust us, maybe we need to have one last talk with the angels. And that's insinuating like that that blue has this he basically puts angel dust in his weed, basically, is what that's saying. So um blue he catches on to what black is talking about. So he's like, Hey, uh, you mind if we smoke one time before you know, before you kill us and everything? So so Misko's like, What? Like, man, look, I got this joint inside my pocket. He's like, man, you mind if we just smoke it before and before you kill us and everything. So Misko pull gets the uh the joint out of Blue's pocket and he's like, I'm gonna smoke this myself. So he starts smoking it and because he don't know his angel dust in it. He started tripping and that's when they knock him out and then they go and they knock out the other um goon. So T Lay is inside the porta potty and he's like, Hey stupid. Cause that's what he that's what he calls mystical character. His character name is stupid. So it's like, hey, stupid, you know, man, just kill these fools and then we can get up out of here. He said, I'm almost done. So they end up running and knocking the porta potty over and this thing goes down the hill and basically he T Lay gets screwed inside the damn uh, porta potty, basically. So after they leave from them, uh Everything pretty much kind of comes to a head once Black and Blue get back to their shop because the feds show up and they about to arrest them and everything. But then they get exposed as being truly black cops in, in white masks because little brother, he had been mumbling like the uh, the black cops like and everything. So he was like, this is them. So he ended up taking off the mask. They end up getting chased out of the neighborhood by the town. By, by everybody in the neighborhood so uh, after they leave black and blue they're like well where's that black box and everything so Loretta she has it she's like I got it you know she got it before the feds end up getting to it so that's when Dalton he comes back and he was like oh Loretta I knew you was involved in all this and said I'm gonna get all of you for this so then Tootsie Pop shows up and this when they start clowning him to let him know, like, hey, do you know that Tootsie Pop is really, you know, who Tootsie Pop really is? So, so Tootsie Pop lets him know that what she has down, you know, between her legs, basically. So Dalton, he reveals that he's actually a white dude dressing up as a black dude. Again, still trying to figure out what exactly that's supposed to be so they get into it and they start fighting out of out of the uh, out of the shop and everything so the movie ends up coming full circle where everything seems to be good but carla she has shown back up because she's still pissed about the whole tv thing and she got this big well blue calls it the daniel boone gun and it basically is like some old civil war musket looking i don't know what the hell that was but so he was like oh so you're gonna shoot me it's like you got the old gun so so go ahead yeah i know it don't work so you can you can shoot me in my ass but i know it don't work so he ends up bending over she ends up shooting him in the ass and the movie ends like that where basically black and blue and, and lorraine they basically avoid you know going to prison and everything like that and the first half of the end credits actually ends with a bunch of outtakes, which you know, which we don't really get a lot of in movies anymore. We don't get like different outtakes, um, like shown over the credits. 
and I always kind of like stuff like that um of different scenes and just them kind of like messing up and stuff which is something that should come back in movies but yeah um that's pretty much uh i got the hookup um it was fun like revisiting this movie um it's not one of my favorite favorite hood movies but it is an enjoyable movie just to see like them just clowning and stuff like that um and everything so yeah that's uh pretty much it uh if i had to rate the movie i mean it's it's not like i say it's not the greatest movie but it's a enjoyable hour and a half um just to kind of sit back turn your mind off and just and just and just you know experience enjoy what you're watching type of situation um yeah so i would probably give it a solid two out of five cellular phones uh and everything and if i had to pick a favorite character um i probably go with black black yeah black would have to be my favorite character because he seemed to it, it's funny he never loses his cool throughout the movie never and i don't know maybe that's because that's master p and he never but he never loses his cool at not one time throughout the course of the movie um but yeah uh black would probably have to be my favorite character so that's pretty much it um for february black history month here on the podcast uh can't wait to get into what i'll be talking about for the month of march um i won't tell you exactly what it is on the episode but you'll know it when when i do episode 244 um because it revolves i I will give you a hint it revolves around a big release that comes out in the month of march um so yeah that's what the theme of march will be revolving around that big movie release that's releasing in march um of course with me you can check me out on the twitter at my personal page the j jazz or the movie page uh j movie talk also on on instagram at jmt podcast uh you can listen to all of the movie talk episodes a part of the tv zone podcast network across all streaming platform uh streaming against all podcast catcher apps that's out there um and everything but to make everything even more simpler you can go to the website www.tvzonepodcastnetwork.com where you can check out all the movie talk episodes as well as all the other shows a part of the network as well i want to thank you guys for listening i will be back for episode 244 i will catch you next time peace <laughs>